Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of This Sovereign Life where we are disrupting the mediocre standard of living that we've been conditioned to see as success and it is our aim to lead you towards a life that you truly desire instead uh, with all of the things, all of the elements thriving in every area of your life. So this episode, I want to talk about a realization that I had last night um, in thinking about a scripture, some, a verse in the Bible, or I guess a set of verses that really used to confuse me. Um, and I've been exploring, I am by no means a preacher or a, a, you know, spiritual, biblical or religious leader of any kind. But, um, as I've gone through my own journey of finding, of changing my life, transforming my life, to live a life that is in sync with God, to live in a way that um, God is a very powerful presence in my life, and to experience so much transformation and joy and peace from discovering that and living this way. Um, I have, I've had to, uh, well, I've changed a lot of my beliefs, but I've also reconciled some of what I used to believe or how I used to believe in the Bible um, to how I believe now. And it's interesting when you look at the Bible, when you look at scripture, um, I can tell you that I have now experienced seeing scripture through two very different perspectives. And so I know for a fact at this point that uh, our inter- our interpretations of the Bible and Scripture um, can be wildly different, not just from person to person, but from uh, within yourself to within yourself, uh, because I have experienced that, right? I was raised in a, a an oppressive religion that I mention often in this podcast, um, but it was really, the narrative was you you see the Bible this one way, there's only one way, one right way. And it's this way. Um, and now I believe that there's only one truth. Absolutely. There's only one universal truth, but that doesn't mean that, uh, one set of people or one group has grasped that truth accurately. Right. Um, so I believe now that the Bible is still very much the word of God. But I also believe that the word as stated in the Bible is living and current in this present day. And I believe that it is available through to us through the spirit, not just through reading the words of a book that can be wildly misinterpreted from nation to nation, family to, you know, family, uh, individual to individual, I don't believe that that is all of the access that God has given us to himself anymore. Um, or God's self, you know, the great I am, the divine creator of everything. So I still read the Bible and I still consider it to be very valuable and truthful. But I also consider... Um, the spirit to be the guide for even understanding the Bible. And one thing that was always confusing to me in my religious days and my past, and even up until very recently was 
um, the faith. So there's verses that say uh, that faith without works is dead. While there's also verses that say, not by works, lest any man should boast. That, that, so I need to find these verses, I believe, real quick. Okay, so these are the two verses and the two, um, like the two narratives that used to really confuse me that I felt were conflicting. The two uh, messages of the Bible. Well, they're not the only ones, but um, this is particularly particularly on the subject of faith. Um, and I'll just read them real quick. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And then you go over to James chapter 2. And it has this whole message about uh, faith without works is dead. And I'll just read one verse. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And so those two messages, especially like when, you know, put against or in my mind were put against each other. They were confusing because it's like on one hand, it's saying that you are not saved by your works um, only through faith, only by grace through faith, because so that lest any man should boast. Right. So, no, your works will not um, save you. And then on the other hand, it says that faith without works is dead. And I used to think, well, okay, you're you're not supposed to do works to save yourself. But at the same time, you you need to do works to prove that your faith is not dead. Uh, And then last night when thinking through it, I had this epiphany and the epiphany is around what it means to say faith without works is dead. See, I always thought in my, uh, in my immature mind or in my, I guess, more faithless mind, I always thought that that indicated, always felt like that indicated that you should be focusing on doing some works that alluded to your faith, that proved that your faith was not dead. But that requires that. What that means is that you're then contriving works to prove a faith, right? Um, From that perspective. And I feel like a lot of people struggle with that or maybe get caught in that feeling of like, yeah, well, uh, nothing that I'm doing is showing my faith. So, you know, Um, or feeling, feeling compelled to, Focus on the works, okay? Like, you got to do these works. Um, And what I realized last night is that what that's saying is not that you got to do the works or like you got to contrive the works and come up with the works, but it's saying that when you have faith, when you really tap into the faith and you believe, there is no way that there will not be works that show that your faith is alive. Because that amount of faith, that true belief and trust and faith in something that you have not seen yet, that has not come to fruition in your life yet, but you are believing one million percent that God is working for you and with you in a way that is beyond what you can conceive or do in this life, then there is an automatic, uh, there's an automatic result, right? You are going to take those steps when your faith is that kind of faith. 
because the, I think the reason that we think we need to do some kind of works is because we don't have the faith. I guess that's what I'm trying to say here is, um, faith is something that a lot of us talk about and a lot of us think that we have. It's not even that we're pretending. We just think that we have more faith than we do. But if that faith doesn't compel you to do something different, to do something that maybe seems, doesn't have to seem bizarre, but to do something that you know in that inner knowing within your spirit, you know that it is God, that you know that it is the inspired action that you're supposed to take, no matter how it looks to anyone else, um, before you can be sure that it's going to get you what you want. That, if, if you're not feeling compelled, then I don't think that we truly have faith, right? I think that we, that's when we have to contrive works to try to prove our faith. But a faith that is truly given to you by God, that is that gift. Because as humans, I think our faith is really, really weak because we, um, we have a propensity towards the opposite of faith, towards doubt, towards fear, towards lack. And I think that's what the original sin um, initiated in humanity was to turn our propensity away from faith and grace and peace and uh, thriving to doubt and fear and lack uh, and abundance in the first one. I meant to throw that one in there. Um, And so I think that was the fall of man. And that is why uh, without God, without allowing your God receptor, your spirit to start working, to activate and to listen and to believe that there is a divine force working with you, a a super intelligence, a divine power that's co-creating, available to you to co-create your life with, until you activate that and believe it, I, I don't think that we really have faith. And that's why we have to try to come up with some works that prove that we do. And that's where religion goes so terribly wrong most of the time and where, you know, the gospel and the preaching and, and all of that really truly uh, misrepresents God. And so now with that perspective, I feel like the thing I love about that and why I wanted to share it is because it allows you to let go of any ideas that you have to contrive works or you have to figure out what the right works are. Or you have to, you, you, you have to figure it out and do it and do it right. Or, and, and like you're being judged or like there's some, this is some test, right? Like, well, I got to make sure I have the right works so that God knows that I really have faith. No, it doesn't work that way. You'll never prove to God that you have faith and you'll never get faith or have faith when you, when you do it that way when you're just trying on your own to scrape together faith or works. Um, And it allows you to let go of any need to do that because then you understand that the only pursuit that is worth worthy of your time is the pursuit of that connection 
to God and faith, that connection to the divine presence and the spirit, the word that is still alive and well today and here at your disposal when you open the door and allow it in. And then that's the only thing, that's the decision that you have to make is, are you going to allow that? Are you going to keep trying to do it your way and trying to do it on your own merit? And uh, leaning into failing God. I mean, it, it ends up that way because in the end we have this innate understanding that we always fall short and that's just depressing. And that fills, that does feel like doubt and fear because we're putting that trust in the world around us, in ourselves, our human selves. And this is another discussion in itself, right? Because there's such a fine line between what a lot of people see as selfish self-love or, you know, trusting yourself versus trusting your inner guidance and valuing yourself according to the innate value that God has created you with, right? And both of those, I think that, I think that people understand the languaging or see the languaging mostly the same. Um, But there's a big difference. There's a big difference between knowing the intrinsic value that you have within you because you are a creation of God and allowing God to uh, take over you in such a way that you can trust what you might what might sound like yourself, like you can trust the decisions and the thoughts and the beliefs and the actions that you're inspired to take because you know that it's God, because you know that that's truly a living and divine um, collaborator for you. There's a difference between that and then just being like, well, I trust myself and I love myself and uh, that's why I'm going to, you know, desert my kids and go live a life that uh, makes me happy because, you know, these kids, they just don't get me. Um, (laughs) That's just an example off the top of my head. But, you know, I think that, that we have a hard time having that conversation in particular because most people see love or valuing yourself as that kind of selfish self-love when really there's a version that is valuing God, God's creation of you, God's inhabitation of you. And that is, I don't think that we can move forward in any inspired action or inspired way or divine collaboration without recognizing that. Um, So that might have gotten a little off course uh, with the whole faith topic, but really what I'm trying to say here is that it's all, it all is part of being able to access the power that is available to you. And really, once you understand that it's not about contriving and it's not about you know, forcing any of, of these things or, or attempting to prove your faith. We think we're proving our faith to God, but I think mostly if we were really honest with ourselves, when we're in that 
state of proving or trying to show people how faithful we are. We're just trying to show people, not God, because we know, first of all, God knows. Um, but also, maybe we're trying to prove it to ourselves more than anything. And, and it sucks to keep falling short. And it sucks to keep feeling like you don't have the faith that you need because you don't. But when you can let go of that and let go of having to prove that or contrive that, and you can just make the decision that you are going to open up your God receptor and you're going to allow God to inhabit you and to stop with you and you with him. You know, as that first in Revelation, behold, I stand at the door knocking. If any man open the door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. That is a beautiful portrayal of what it's like to open up your your God receptor and be able to communicate with the spirit, the comforter that is here to lead us in a way that is beyond our wildest dreams. And then when you start to do that, you start to understand that uh, those all those verses about God giving us the desires of our heart and with God, all things are possible. And um, he who asks in my name, believing shall receive it. And many, many, many more. Those verses come alive. They were never alive for me when I was in the religion. They always seem like just a cruel joke, you know, like, oh, this God is like saying all this stuff, but this doesn't happen. Right. And, uh, and so I think, and, and I say this from a place of somebody who lived most of my life in doubt and fear without faith, without, without being able to fill that easy communication and connection with God. And, um, and so I know this, right. I know this very personally. And now I have opened myself up. I have opened the door and it is an incredible difference, not only in the way that you feel and experience every day of your life, but in life itself and in the outcome of your life and in the fulfillment of your soul and your soul's purpose on this earth. And so make that decision. Let go. Let go of all the struggle. You know, I used to believe narratives and sayings like the struggle is real, right? But now I realize that, yeah, the struggle is real because we have embraced the struggle. Because we were taught the struggle. We were raised on the struggle. We were conditioned to believe that the struggle was the only thing available to us. And so if you're in that right now and you feel that and you feel like the struggle is very real, I feel you too. Because I was there not very long ago. And I feel... I understand what it feels like to feel like you have no other option but to struggle and fight and get knocked down and beat down day after day after day. And and I'm not saying that that doesn't happen because this life that humanity has created through rejecting God and, you know, uh, and accepting and embracing um sin, embracing the the dark and the negative and the the doubt and the fear rather than embracing the light and the joy 
and the peace and the lightness of of God uh that that's not just you you didn't just invite that on yourself that is all of our society and so if you're feeling that like that is also real right I'm not saying that that isn't real and I'm not saying that you should be able to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you should, you know, it's all your responsibility. No, none of those narratives because I understand what it's like to feel that way and also know that that's very real. But what I'm saying here is what we don't know and why I'm even talking on this is that what I didn't know for most of my life was that there truly was something else available to me, that there truly was a realm, is a realm where God is my, um, God is my collaborator. God is my rock. Like it wasn't just, I don't think it was left in the old Testament or the new Testament or any of these things. And when I was raised, when I was in a religion, I felt like they were all that God, the power of God was left in the past, left in these Bible times. And I no longer believe that. I believe that it's accessible to me now and it's accessible to you now. And if you can't wrap your head around that, I also get that because it took me quite a while to accept and understand and experience this power, experience the divine love. But the more and more that I experience it and the more that I trust it and believe it and the more that I request faith and accept faith and use faith and, you know, activate it, the more I understand that there is a whole different reality available to me and that that power is real and that is alive. The living word, the Bible talks so often about the living word um, and it doesn't confine it to just a book. And I'm not saying that the book, that the Bible is not truth, but I'm saying that there is a truth that is alive and living, and it's not limited to your perception of a Bible. It's not limited to somebody else's perception or, you know, um, translation or even like, you know, it's not opinion of a book. This living word is available, whether or not you have this book called the Bible. It's available to all. And it's not mine to label for you or define for you. I don't think, I think that we have done God and ourselves a dishonor by trying to define faith as something, trying to broad brush it and define it as something, you know, that is uh, definable for everyone in the same way. Um, I think that really limits the power of God. And so I would, I do not try to define that for you or tell you how it will look for you or how it will feel or how it will be phrased or what language will open up that faith for you. For me, it is God. And for me, it is, you know, is the divine creator. Um, I like, I really like the great I am because that to me encapsulates the fullness and the power of God. And now this episode is going to come to an abrupt end because my five-year-old just got home and she wants time with her mama. So I hope that this uh, was valuable to you and thank you for listening, my friend. I will see you in the next one.